a lot of times it's not just products, but it's services you're selling. So you're selling services. Yeah. And a lot of times it's, it's not just, you know, the service you sell, but you, you yourself becomes a part of that service. And a lot of times people um, have made the switch from another carrier to, Ver to Verizon because they want to work with me directly and say, hey, yeah. I like working with you. you. You have good technical knowledge and I trust you. Welcome to The Defense Never Rests with Morgan and Akins, your monthly dose of uncommon sense about all things legal and some that are not. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of The Defense Never Rests. I'm your host, Megan Henry, and today I'm joined by my colleague, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm great. I'm so... I. I is this the second time you've come on? I think. Yes. The first time was with my mom. I didn't, oh, yes. who, who knew, right? We did the Mother's <laughs> Day special. It was great. I'm really excited to be back on. And actually, I wanted to ask you this in a follow-up to the Mother's Day special. Did your, I know your mom always wanted to be a flight attendant. Did she actually get her? her she did. That's what I thought she I saw. did. <laughs> she did. She got a job for um, a, a small airline. And, um, at 56 year old, 56 years old, she went out, she did the training, she got her FAA certification. She did it. So That's it just awesome. shows you never stop, you know, following what you want to do, following your dream. That's awesome. Make, yeah. make sure you tell her. I said, congratulations. I will. <laughs> I, I, I thought I saw that. I'm like, Oh, I'm so happy. She did that. <laughs> I know we're so proud of her. <laughs> um, but and so if, if for all our listeners, you have to go back to last year and listen to the Mother's Day episode to really get a, a good one we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it um, was a good one. But today we have on Anthony Guzman, who is a producer at USI, um, which is a, 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 a large brokerage. And he's just here to talk about like, you know, the the differences and going from, you know, a being at a commercial carrier to a brokerage and the challenges that he faces on the day-to-day -to, -day to, you know, getting clients and helping his clients, you know, get the right uh, insurance that they need. I think he refers to it as matchmaking, which I, I love. And I can't wait to hear what he has to say, because I know that I think he started during the pandemic, an entirely new career. So um, I can't wait to hear what he has to say about that. Yeah, me too. So with that, let's bring him in. Good afternoon, Anthony. Thank you for joining us this morning on the Defense of Arrest. How are you? Doing well, and thank you for having me. I'm I'm so thrilled to have you. You and I talked um, a few weeks ago and had I just had like a fun conversation. So you know, anytime I have a fun conversation with anybody, I'm always like, well, let's bring them on. They'd be a great guest. I can have another fun conversation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but. Um, you know, you've listened to the podcast, so you kind of know uh, my my drill and kind of what, what I do. Um, you know, I like to get a guest on and talk about them and, you know, what, you know, how they got to, to where they are. Um, and then, you know, we dive into the, the insurance issues or litigation issues or whatever it may be that are your specific thing, like pain points or things that are pertinent to what you do. Um, but, you know, as we sit here today, you are... I think you're an AVP at USI, right? Yeah, um, a small lines commercial producer okay. um, will be the the exact term. But um, in our our organization is rather flat. So if you're a producer, you're either AVP or VP. Those are the okay. two positions as a producer you have. Got it. Um, but you know, everyone's path into how they got into like insurance related industry is different. So, and yours is a definitely different than, than some you had like kind of a, a weavy path. So, you know, why don't you yeah. share, share with us, like, you know, how you, how you got to where you are today? 
Yeah, so um, it, my, my career started as in telecom. So I was Verizon um, and I've been to Verizon for a really long time. So my career started there um, right out of, you know, right out of high school. Um, I had a small job in like, you know, labor jobs. I did some small manufacturing uh, positions. And then fi finally I landed a position with, uh, with Verizon. Um, I started Verizon and like customer service and I worked all my, my way all the way up uh, into sales, into enterprise sales and everything. So um, actually um, looking back, I thought I was going to be a career or a lifer at Verizon because the, being at Verizon, it was it was one of those organizations where it's so big and it's mm -hmm. and you feel so much um, job security and there's so many different career paths that you can stay in that organization and move pretty much in any field that you want to. Um, but what, what actually got me into um, insurance was actually my brother. Um, so my brother um, got into insurance. He was actually in um, he was with securities with ADP. Or no, ADT. I'm sorry, ADT. He's what ADT do, doing. Home. Uh, They're home when you're. Yeah, yeah. The the home <laughs> thing. But he was doing, but he was doing it for like um, warehouses and and um, he was doing like big commercial and eventually got into insurance. And about a year in, um, me and him had we had a sit down, and he was like, "Man, you know, this insurance uh, gig has been uh, really worked out for me." And, um, you know, and it, it creates some curiosity. And, and one thing that he said that really stuck with me, he said, uh, you know, when you're a producer with uh, insurance, one of the things that that's very good about the industry, unlike some other industries, is that you have a book of business that you you technically own and that that book of business bring a residual income. And there's not a lot of industries that you can do that. And insurance is one of the few industries yeah. left where you can have a, a residual book of business. And so that got the antennas up, you know, and he was asking me questions like, you know, how much sales do you make at Verizon? And do you make any like residual money? And I said, you know, um, throughout my career uh, with Verizon, I made about $8 million of book, like a business into the business. I've been in sales about nine years, 10 years, rather 10 years. And I brought my like $8 million. And he told, he said, listen, if you brought $8 million in, into insurance producer role, you'll have so much residual income, you don't even know what to do with it. And so that kind of got the gears turning. And then at that point, I started to really look a hard look at insurance and say, let's 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 see what this is about. So um, I started applying for many different uh, insurance places. And one of the places that I um, looked at was Liberty Mutual. Mm -hmm. And my interest with Liberty Mutual was it's there. They're one of the bigger um, I guess insurance carriers in, in the industry. And they're usually highly regarded. And one of the things that they had to offer at the time was they actually trained producers. Mm -hmm. A lot of times when I was interviewing, they were like, we're not training a producer. We don't have time for that. You, we need you to come in, make us money out the gate, you know, and, and a lot <laughs> of times ready I'm to like, go. <laughs> fully ready to go. And I'm like, I'm in tech, you know, if you want to talk about <laughs> cell phones and software, I'm your guy, but when they talk about insurance, I need a lot of training. They said, well, you, you definitely have the sales skills, but you don't have the technical skills. So Liberty Mutual, I spoke with the with the branch manager there. Uh, he, he's out of Warren, New Jersey. Uh, his name was Bill, but he was just an awesome uh, leader. He was an awesome guy. We had an um, interview. Our first interview went really well. Our second interview went even better. And then um, they offered me the position. Um, they trained me how to be an insurance producer. They trained me about the industry, you know, how to service the products, um, technical knowledge, everything. They, pretty much everything was taught to me. 
And so I got into the business with, you know, some foundation and organization behind me. And that's how I really started. Once I got into Liberty, um, I I sold in the middle of a pandemic, but um, once I I got, I don't know, it's just, it just stuck with me. Insurance is so interesting because every time you're with a new client, it's like something different. So it's never the same thing. It's always, everyone has a, a, a unique pain point. Yeah, and that, that was a personal lines at the time, but everyone had a unique pain point, whether it be pricing, whether it be coverage, property, anything that they're dealing with. My job as a producer is, is to get them placed properly. So it was just a really good uh, industry. And I found it to be interesting. You know, I thought going in, I thought it was going to be boring, a lot of paperwork, but it winded up being a, a very uh, interesting um, industry. And yeah. I really have... Uh, who you say like long relate like the relationships are there because I'm really looking out for them and, and, and taking care of their assets and their personal you know whatever their business is um, and I really take it as my own and I advocate for them and they know that and that's how I'm able to uh, build these relationships I still get calls with people asking me if I'd still do personal line stuff yeah so that's well and I'm sure like your time at Verizon although it wasn't an insurance did lay a, a good foundation for you as to building relationships, don't you think? Yeah. And, and, and I, I guess that's what gave me the success early on in my career uh, is because I was able to, to connect a lot. Like it, you know, when you come to telecom and, and software, it, it's, it's, it's a lot of times it's not just products, but it's services you're selling. So you're selling services. Yeah. And a lot of times it's, it's not just, you know, the service you sell, but you, you yourself becomes a part of that service. And a lot of times people um, have made the switch from another carrier to, Ver- to Verizon because they want to work with me directly and say, hey, yeah. I like working with you. you. You have good technical knowledge and I trust you. And that's a big that's a big uh, a thing in the industry because, you know, sure. uh, products, you know, you can buy a product from anyone. If you buy a cell phone or something, you're never going to see that person again. But if it's service, <laughs> it's somebody you, you, you're you going to have to reach out to, especially if they don't know what they're doing. A lot of times they'll have the software and they're calling me and they're like, what do I do next? And I have to actually <laughs> walk them through the process. So <laughs> that's very similar to insurance. You know, yeah. they're calling me and, you know, he's like, hey, um, I remember I had this one guy, Sonny. Uh, he called me. He said, hey, um, a cart just, I just dinged my car, shop right cart just hit my, what do I do? And, you know, I had to walk him through the process and, yeah. and tell him this is what you do to to, to, to make the claim, you know, and, and he was very happy. The next day he's like, called me, he's like, you know, because of you, you know, all my anxiety went away. So that oh. felt really well. You're still a problem solver. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, you're still, still solving problem problems solve. for people, different problems, but you're still right. helping them. Yeah, right. And I, the trust aspect is such a key point, though, uh, that I, I think just go- goes across any any industry. But, you know, once you learn the product, which, you know, you, you at Liberty, you had to learn their product and then you could so you could speak the product and you you really knew what you're talking about. And then your your clients could trust you. And right. I mean, you're, you're not trying to it's not only a sale at that point. It's a relationship. Right. And right. you're trying to help them. Right. Right. And it's tough sometimes because it, you know, it's been for the most part of the industry, it's always been a call center. You know, when I, you know, when I bought insurance for the first time, I called Geico, the 1-800 number. And, you know, that, that call center person, I was called number 120 or whatever, you know, and, you know, I was asking for help and they were like, 
and they were like, here, insurance is going to cost you $150. You want it or not? I'm like, mm, I, I never got it before. I guess $150 sounds right. I'll take it. You know, they never, they didn't have the time. They were on the clock. They didn't have the yeah. time to sit with me. And so when I, when I, when people come to me for the first time and they're buying insurance, it's a totally different experience. Cause I'm, I'm asking the question, I'm digging in. Cause you know, at the time when I was, I was a field sales representative, I was on, on no clock. So, you know, I was able to actually spend the time with the client and give that client the intention they need. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that shines through too. I think when people don't feel like they're, they're just a number in a queue that they either getting the service, you know, and you're providing more to them than just, okay, you're like num- caller number 135. What do you need today? Right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what, you know, you were at Liberty Mutual for, for some time and you really like learned insurance there, but then what made you pivot and go over to USI, which is a broker, which is different. You know, it's different from being at a carrier. Correct. Very different. Um, I guess the, the point was I always wanted to, to actually make the move into commercial. But the thing about insurance is going right into commercial is very difficult, if sometimes even impossible, to coming right in as a producer. Usually most commercial um, positions, you would need at least a little bit of experience or you, you move in through underwriting. At the time, I wasn't in underwriting. I was in a producer. So basically at the time, um, with that experience, I, I also wrote a little bit of small commercial through our partnerships with Liberty Mutual. So I had a little bit of just enough experience yeah. to actually get looked at by uh, by a recruiter at USI. So a recruiter reached out to me and said, hey, we have an opportunity for you. And, uh, and then it was just a perfect tee up for me because I was like, I'm glad you called because that's exactly where I wanted to be. And um, the cause went well. And I, I met with the leadership and the leadership. Uh, the funny thing is the the uh, practice leader at the time, my current practice leader was actually um, a personal lines producer to start with and then moved to commercial. So he had we aligned there. I mean, me and the practice leader had a good camaraderie, good uh, relationship. And um, he basically pre- upfront told me all the challenges that, you know, a, a personal line producer would have going into a commercial uh, aligned role. And he pretty much coached me through it. And because of him, I'm, I'm able to, you know, to be successful at this position, or at least, um, you know, help my clients in, in, in finding solutions. Otherwise, I'm telling you, if it wasn't for him and, and his, his guidance, I probably uh, will be very difficult for me because commercial is sometimes a little is a lot more confusing than personal because personal lines once you once you understand the you know the ass how much assets they have and their exposure you can pretty much build a uh, policy from there but for commercial it gets complicated because every you know businesses are classified differently and they might need different lines of insurance yeah i guess my my next follow up was you know what what were some of the complications or what some of the complications that he he raised that these are going to be some challenges for you yeah, and that, that helped me really determine if this position was what for me. One of the challenges was the the sales cycle. Uh, one of the things about commercial is that um, sometimes you can't just buy a commercial policy like in the middle of your your uh, your your terms. Like if you're in a twelve month terms, six months in, sometimes it doesn't really make economical sense to leave and go to another carrier like it does in personal. And personal uh, lines, you can leave any time. It really doesn't matter. You'll get a prorated amount. You know, the terms are the terms, but you can always leave and, and commercial is not so simple. So, you know, moving a, a, a client over to from their current incumbent broker to us can take time. Sometimes we have to actually sell to the renewal date and a specific time frame. So that that's something I never 
never sold to. I never sold to on the yeah. clock, meaning like if your renewal is coming in March and we have our first appointment in February, that means it's 30 days for us to actually make a move to move to our brokerage. Um, if that, if, if it's 31 days, then that means he has to stay with his incumbent broker because it doesn't make sense to, to, yeah. to sever that. So you really have to, to move quickly uh, and, and actually sell strategically. So you have to be very strategic in, in the commercial line roles opposed to personal where it's like, all right, I'm four months in my traveler's policy. You know, I can move you into Plymouth Rock today actually i can move you tomorrow you know so it's a big difference right. on like how to how to how to sell so that was a very difficult for me because i would go into these meetings and i was like oh we have plenty of time next thing you know he's like renewed already i'm like oh i didn't have time so that's what i had to really learn how how to engage with the client and, and make sure that um I, I i pretty much build that relationship in enough time to to, to earn it you have to earn that business in commercial yeah. more so because the you know there's more at stake there I mean, you really have to earn it anyway, too, because, yeah. you know, they're, I mean, think about it from like a, a company ha probably has people trying to sell them insurance all the time. So, yeah. I mean, they have to trust you and, you know, that you're, you're, they're not just a sale. We always we keep going back to trust, but I think that's just such a yeah. key component to it. Yeah, it's a key component. Exactly. Because there's there's a lot more uh, at at, like it, at stake sometimes, you know, they have to contact their broker whenever they hire someone new. Sometimes they have to contact their broker if they buy a new auto. So there's a lot of, a lot more in, in tune to it. And sometimes they need COIs on the go, especially if they work with subcontractors right. or anything, they need COIs yeah. immediately. And you got to be able to trust your broker. If you, uh, if you are um, a contractor or um, let's say you're in a courier service and you're working with a new client and they say, hey, before you jump on this project, we need COIs. If you contact your broker and they don't come in time, you lose the out on a job and that, yeah. that costs you money. So that's why mm -hmm. trust becomes even more important, especially in commercial, because it, that, that relationship or that trust um, is everything. Because if, if they can't get their COIs and they can't trust you to get it, then they're just going to move to another broker. Yeah. And I mean, I know from from our side, for like Melissa and I, they don't have those certificates of insurance. That's a real, real problem. You have a problem. <laughs> right. That's right. Um, so, but I, I wanted to back up quickly though on, you know, how was your transition? I know you kind of touched on this, but the transition from going to a carrier to a broker, like how did it change like your, your mindset on how to, you know, approach things? Um, so there was a big difference in like the, the front line of it, like, like the surface level. So when, when I was in a carrier, um, at Liberty Mutual, um, and I was working on the personal lines, um, basically when I, when I approach a client. Um, in my mind, I, I look to make sure that they fit the, the appetite of, of my carrier, which is Liberty Mutual. And um, when I'm engaging with them, I'm engaging with the fact that to get them written with Liberty. You know, that, that's my whole goal is to write you with Liberty, because if I write you with Liberty, I can service it. I can, you know, I can make changes. It, it's, it just makes more sense for me. Although I can write other policies like travelers and other things, but the in the carrier side, you just want to concentrate because that's the metrics that you're you're graded on as a producer. So it's very important that you write business with Liberty. And so when I approach a client, you know, I'm really looking 
for the character's best interest. Although, you know, I kind of play that that role where I'm looking for the character's best interest, but also make sure the client is happy. So I'm kind of playing a dual role there. Uh, in the brokerage side, I really can just look at the, the client's best interest solely and, mm -hmm. and match make them on, on a carrier that's going to fit their specific needs. So I don't, I'm not, uh, they can say if, if it's the Hartford that makes more sense or if it's Travelers or if it's Selective that makes more sense, I'm just going to put you there because it just makes more sense. Opposed in the carrier where you have to kind of, you have to make, make it make sense for the carrier as well. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it, you really can create a package that like Correct. works specifically for, for that, that individual's business. Correct. Yeah. You, you know, and you have creative freedom in a brokerage. You could creatively uh, create a program for them um, using sometimes multiple carriers. You might not. Sometimes it doesn't make sense to put them all in one carrier. You can have it spread out in two carriers where it makes sense. You know, um, so you, you do have that creative freedom as a producer to really write, um, you know, a policy for, for a client that's specifically made for the risk, tailor made for it. Yeah. So take me through like your, your, your internal process, like as to like, you have, say you have, you know, Joe contractor <laughs> and that you've developed a relationship with Joe, like how, what's your process as to finding like, as you said, being his matchmaker, matchmaker, which I love that term, but matching Joe contractor with the best uh, policies for him. And so I guess the, the, the questions we re I really ask myself is, is really what they exposure. See, the thing about contractors is they, they love to do everything. Like they really love to do as much as possible. You go on some contractors' websites and they'd be like, I do roofing, I do age. You know, there's just so many things they do. Um, it, when I look in my mind, I try to actually figure out what they really do. Because a lot of times you, the contractors say, hey, you know, what I do is I do drywall and I do tile work. You know, drywall and tile work is my main. And then you click on their website and the first thing they see is roofing. And so you're like, wow, I mean, you know, that's a big conflict of interest there. So one time I'm looking for the contractor, make sure that, they, that they're what they're doing is what they advertise they're doing. Because the underwriters, first thing they're going to see is they go on that website and see roofing. And that's a different classification. It will cost you a lot more money. And the insurance company is not going to write a, a contractor that's doing a million things. You have to be specific in what you do. So first thing I'm looking at when I'm understanding from a contractor is like trying to figure out what they actually do. Um, and then so I can uh, cater the risk, cater the policy to their, their actual use. And tell them, hey, listen, you have roofing on your website. You need to take that down. So you got to do a little bit of risk management. It's like you have to take that down. I know you want everything that walks in. But, you know, you might have to take that down and, and do an incidental type of process where maybe you'll, you'll do roofing in, in one incidental moment. But you can't put that as your daily operations because the insurance company is going to want to insure you for that. And it's very difficult to write that business. So that's one thing I do look at. Just make sure that, they, that their, their business is specifically made and, and descriptions are, are, are real to what their business actually does. And then maybe Joe contractor, like maybe you don't do roofing, but you become friends with someone who does and you can refer right. them your roofing business and they can refer to you. They're <laughs> the business. You're right. always thinking, Megan. You're always <laughs> yeah. thinking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Call up Joe Roofer right now and tell him your idea. <laughs> so, you know, after, you know, after you set up, but we're, we'll just stick with Joe. Joe. We like Joe the roofer. You yeah. Know. <laughs> Joe the roofer. We love him. <laughs> You know, but 
you know, Joe's your client, like you're full service after that. Right. So you're, you're there to help service Joe and his, a, a, any claims that he may get. Is that, is that true? Yeah. So, um, one of the things we do at USI, um, in particular, uh, producers, we advocate for, for the client, yeah. you know, I'm not in claims itself, but we do have advocacy and we can actually walk them through the process of claim. You know, uh, first thing when you, when you, we make a claim, especially a contract or anyone, is we take a look at the contracts. You know, that's the first thing before you call the insurance company and tell them what happened. Sometimes you, hey, just send me the contracts. Let me just take a look at, you know, what's happening here. Like if you're on a project, let me send me the contract so I can take a look at it before you make that claim. Or, you know, and then we can advocate them. I can say, hey, listen, there's an indemnity clause on this policy. You're going to have to go through your policy or you're going to have to you know, the sub, the general GC, maybe the GC has to make the claim, not you. So you have to, to take a look at the contracts to make sure he's doing the right thing. Um, he's not making a claim and he doesn't really need to make the claim or, you know, he's saying the wrong things for the claim. It, it, sometimes if, if they call and they, they say, they say something that's not covered, then they could be in big trouble trying to backtrack themselves. Say, hey, uh, I made this claim, but really it's this claim. So make sure you advocate for them. So no, when they're making the claim, they're making the right claim and not, uh, you know, just thinking sometimes as, um, you know, the clients don't really think like a underwriter or insurance company would, you know, if, 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 if you have a property and you say, Hey, there's a flood in the basement really isn't a flood, you know, maybe your sink overflowed. That's not a flood, but if you say <laughs> flood, that's a, that's not a shortable risk. So <laughs> when you call the insurance company and say, Hey, um, what are you guys going to do with this flood? And they say, well, you don't have flood coverage. So that's, that's, you know, they got to make sure that they say the word right wording. So something like that could, could, could blow up in your face if you, if you don't have yeah. something to advocate for you. Yeah. And have you felt, do you have any like challenges, some deal sometimes working with, you know, some of the, the smaller outfits that um, like, like the contractors who, you know, they're, I mean, as most businesses, they're there to run their business and make money. Right. Um, right. And they're not always in the risk um, management business. Right. So do you, are you faced with some challenges with, with the, those types of clients as to like, like, oh, like, this yeah. is going on. Uh, I might want to watch out for this here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And one of our producers had a, he was, he was working with a, a client and a client would do like um, Instagram videos. And um, one of the videos is was was a, a contractor. Um, he was like on a, on a ladder, and it was like he was doing work like improperly. Like he was saying, "Hey guys, look at what I do." And it's like our, our, all the safety protocols were thrown out the window. And and that producer had to call that guy. He's like, "Listen, I know you have a great media presence, but you need to take down that post immediately." <laughs> Because if, if the insurance company sees you standing up, this guy upside down, nailing, you know, boards to the wall, we're going to, it's going to be a big issue, uh, especially yeah. if he falls down and he has to make a claim and now it's the public yeah. to see. So, you know, that's an example of, of a producer staying on top of him, that, you know, he did a great favor. That guy was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And he puts it right down. So these are, these are challenges we face sometimes, you know, he, like he said, he's looking for, for business he wants business so whatever looks flashy whatever looks entertaining he's going to post it and and try to get people yeah. to work with them say hey look i'm a fun contractor come come with me <laughs> we're trying to like no you're not a fun contractor yeah. you're a safe yeah. yes you're a safe 
contractor. <laughs> like maybe tell some jokes, then you could be funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be funny, you know. You don't, you don't, you don't need your guys flipping off of the, you know, the, the ladder. <laughs> Acrobatics are not covered in the policy. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um. So, you know, when you first came into this producing role, though, what, you know, what sort of challenges did you have, like, getting, like, started? I imagine, like, you know, it's, oh, it's a different mindset, you know, and, and right. it's like you're, you're you got a blank slate. So I, I'm yeah. curious to hear about that. Oh, it was a disaster in the very beginning. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> At least you're honest. Yeah, it was an absolute disaster. My first uh, two, two months producing for Liberty Mutual was a disaster because I would, I would really uh, i would talk to people and i wouldn't get it i I don't know i just didn't get enough information so it was a disaster in a sense i kept calling them asking more questions so i would get a meeting with a client and now i'll get like half the information and then i'm going to submission i'm like oh man i missed a whole section here so i'll call them back like you know hour later hey i need more information they're like then I just talk to you. Where's the quote? And I'm like, uh, I'm working on the quote. And you know, next thing you know, you know, they're, they're hating me. It's like, oh, all right, whatever. And then next thing you know, it, I give them the quote. By that time, they're like fed up with me. They're like, I don't want nothing to do with you. Bye. <laughs> so you know, it was a disaster in the beginning. But once I, I started to understand like what information I really need, um, and, and start to really have a structure for myself, then it became a lot easier. And that's really, I was good at the relationship building, but the information gathering, I really sucked at in the very beginning. Um, I, I didn't get good into that until maybe like three or four months producing. Then I became a little bit of an expert and had my little process in uh, and then created that. But it was an absolute disaster. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine um, it, it's kind of like, it's almost like being a new lawyer, you know, like I, I remember having those conversations, like I'd have to call the client and I'd get this information and I'd get off the phone and I'd go to the partner and I'd like tell them what I got. And then they'd be like, well, what about this? I'm like, oh shit. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what about that? <laughs> and then it, I'd have it, to call them back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you call them back and if they're thinking you have an answer for them, you're like, wait, no, I didn't even get to that. I didn't even get to that stage yet where I'm trying to get you the answer. I just need these questions asked. So uh, it it, it becomes a bit of a a, a bad experience because it, it makes it makes you look a little green and at the same time they it might create a little little doubt in their mind um, to working with you. So it, it, was, it was I lost a lot of business in the first couple months uh, producing. Yeah, and um, and when you came to USI, it was it, during the I mean I guess when you went to um, Liberty, it was also during the pan pandemic at the very beginning. At the very beginning, like I literally, I was in the office every day and they was like, oh, you have to go home um, <laughs> and we'll come back in two weeks. And, you know, I think everyone got that conversation. We'll come back in two weeks. And yeah. next thing you know, yeah. I'm in, you know, I'm sitting in the uh, in my home office and like in the middle of July trying to write policies. I'd never even see <laughs> my coworkers. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I actually, Melissa, did you start? Dar- I Yeah. You started during I did. the pandemic. Yeah, I don't Yeah, I started in September 2020. So I wow. I I I can uh sympathize with you there. <laughs> it it's it's harder to to start a new job in you know when you're working remotely because there's just so many little things that right. you know it's easy to ask a coworker, you know, to, to call up someone, but when right. you're not face to face, you're not even in the same building, it is right. it's it's tricky. So um that's yeah. really awesome that you were able to to just learn so quickly to be able right. to, you know, to do what you're doing today. 
Yeah, it took a lot. But like you're saying, sometimes you're in a dark corner. So you feel sometimes like you're in a dark corner and like yeah. trying to figure out everything on your own. Um, but a lot of times leaning on on your coworkers, sometimes it's more natural when you're right there. Like, hey, what do I do at this point? I remember when I first started, you know, I, I would call a producer over and say, hey, where do I, how do I do this? And they're just, this is how you do it. And then you're like, all right, you take notes and then you do it. But when you're alone, you're like, you, you maybe you'll call them. It's like, how do I do this? And they say, go to this screen. It's like, what screen? You know, right. what screen is what? So it's like a lot of times it, it, it can be difficult to 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 get that same uh, advice. Sometimes it's like just more practical for them to show you and then you just follow through. Yeah. And also it's just hard to create like those working relationships when you're not like seeing each other all, all the time. And I mean, there is a difference in creating a relationship like, like this and like when you're in the office with each other um, all the time. I mean, I personally like to work from home and I, I embrace right. this, but for some, like some, someone new coming on, there's definitely challenges there. Um, right. And yeah, in like a role like yours too, it's just like, especially like coming, going even from a carrier to a broker, like it's, di it's different from where you were. And there, you, there's just Absolutely. Gonna be questions about how operations work. Right. Right. A totally different process. Like one of the, the process I had to deal with when I was in the carrier side at Liberty Mutual, um, I pretty much wrote the policy with my, me myself writing the policy, getting the information and building the policy and agencies, producers don't build the policies. What producers do, we, we, we fill out the intake forms and then we give it to the placement and marketing team and they build the policy and then place it. So there's kind of a checks and balances in commercial because there's so many the error in commercial could be very detrimental. So they make sure there's no error. So there's a check and balances there. So sometimes there's a, I have to wait a lot. I have to wait a lot and, and talk with marketing in order to get my, my proposals and quotes in my hand. When in Liberty, I did it all myself. I had a proposal right in my hand because I did it myself. So yeah. that's another learning curve, like how to do an intake form and how to, but not only how the, because I knew how to write the business and do a submission, but I had to change my style and, and build narratives for the marketing team to understand the risk a little bit more because all the, the, the information for the risk is in my head. So I know everything, right. But I have to pass that information to them. So I had, you had to create a narrative yeah. um, for them. And that, that's very difficult to do sometimes because you, you, you don't know how to frame it. Like, Oh, he does this or this. You got to make sure you frame it in a way you really nail it down. And you can say, well, this is the exposure. These are the claim history. This is what they're doing to fix it. You, you have to really just go right down to the granular level to so that marketing team could, could write that policy and pass it over to the underwriters because I don't even talk to underwriters. Yeah. And that is such a good point because I, I like feel it with myself. Like I always have it all here, but like translating it out <laughs> to like someone be else. Be like, this is like, it's all in my head. <laughs> just, can you just tap in? And then just yeah. Suction it like out? Harry Potter, where you pull the little string out like with the with a wand and you put it yeah. in there and they uh -huh. see everything put your face in the fountain and see everything I know but it's just not that way and sometimes it's very difficult sometimes I would in the beginning I would just send out the intake forms and they'll they'll call me like um what kind of business is this and I'm like uh you know so yeah um and you know I don't want to get into anything that's like specific to to USI and what they particularly look for but you know, when you are assessing a potential client's like overall 
like you're giving a risk assessment, like what are some like red flags for you that you're like, Ooh, this might be an issue or, you know, right. to the extent that you can share. Right. Um, you know, I, I think for the most part, what I've seen is, is when they withhold information, um, especially when, cause in commercial, like I, I have to be really upfront and, and with the information I need to, to, to actually be successful. And sometimes there's a lot. And sometimes when they work with a, a brokerage, like we do, we, we make sure we, we get the full picture before we put in submission. Sometimes a, a, like a regional or a small brokerage would just get, just give me just enough to quote you. I just need just enough information to quote you. And then we can get you, we can get the ball rolling. And, and mine, this is so much information gathering. I need so much more uh, information. So when they only give me a small pieces of information, it really is a, a red flag for me because it's like, okay, um, why is he withholding this information? So um, that's one. And, th and the second red flag is, is if they just want to quote like really quickly. Uh, in, in that case, re I really know that they're looking at it like a commodity or obligation. And sometimes uh, if it's just a price play, it's, sometimes it's very difficult to, 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 to actually do the, your work uh, mitigate their risk and their exposure and go within a, the lowest price because you know if everyone had the perfect you know policy then all the insurance companies will be out of business so there's a reason why <laughs> <laughs> my job is to make sure that um at least try to do the best and make sure they have all the the lines of coverage they actually need um, and sometimes you have to say, sometimes they don't even want it. Sometimes they're like, I, I just want GL. That's it. I don't need anything else. And I'm like, I can't, I'm not going to just write a GL. I, I need to do all these lines of business because it just doesn't make sense for you to have just this one line of business because it's not going to cover what you need. Yeah. yeah. Do you run, a, so do you run across that a lot that there's like uh, a kind of a want to cut corners to save costs? With the smaller companies, um, yeah. Sometimes you, you'll see it more often um, because they just they just don't they just they don't look at insurance like the bigger, more complex companies do. And even yeah. some companies that they're starting to mature, like I, I'm talking I had a, a meeting with a e-commerce company and they're starting to really starting to make money and mature. And now they're like, hey, I need real insurance. Right. I need real insurance. Like what I have now is not what I, I know I, ha I don't have the right stuff. Now I need the real stuff now. So, you know, that's, that's the, the thing when they're really starting and they have razor thin margins, they're trying to just get afloat and say, Hey, once I'm solvent, once I have access money, I'm going to go and buy the real policy. But for now, I'm just going to buy this really simple policy just to get me by. So, you know, I, I don't break any laws. So yeah. that's the thing, you know, a lot of times once they, they hit to that point where they're like, all right, I'm making real money. This is, I now I can really lose a lot. You know, I can lose my livelihood. This is not a side hustle anymore. That's when they really start to look at it in a, in a more mature and complex way. And they start to say, Hey, all right, what do I really need? And how do I mitigate these risks? How do I not lose my business if somebody sues me? It's kind of like when, right. when you first get um, car insurance and you go, you, you think limited tort is a good idea. And then, <laughs> like, oh, wait, I'm only covered for like the cost of like repairing my broken arm. <laughs> <That's it>. Right. <laughs> like you might need to step it up a little bit as you, yeah. <laughs> as you right. get more established. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and you know, you're right. After you, you go through one or two lawsuits and they realize, oh, mm, you know, limited tort doesn't make sense because just one claim um, could could cost, you know, could be a lot of, you know, 
cost me my life you know sometimes people are like really really bad uh, i did speak with somebody that said you know they had an accident their neck you know their neck is done done they slipped disc and neck everything and they had limited tour so basically they just went to the hospital fixed them up a little bit and now they can't do anything insurance company won't help them i know that's such a shame but and i think part of it is a a like a general people don't understand insurance i think people get in, they're intimidated by it um right. and that's why like companies need someone like you who can like simplify it and so i, I guess that was why my, my where i was headed next is you know when you're you're working with you know joe the contractor or some you know other smaller entity that isn't as sophisticated and they don't understand like their needs you know you have to be able to kind of explain their needs in language that there, it makes sense to them and not in insurance jargon. Right. Right. And, and that, and it really depends. So I think for the most part, what I, I actually had a recent um, um, conversation with, uh, with a, a contractor basically was looking to, to work for uh, the county, the, the county, I think it was Morris County. And in order to win that, he would need a surety bond. So he was trying to place a bid. He never placed a bid in his life. So he's, he's, he came to us. It's like, you know, I need a surety bond of this amount. You know, can you help me? And we were able to, to at least get the, the ball rolling and started and help him do the process. Like, what is a bond? He didn't even know what it was. So we had to really tell him what a bond was and why, why he would need it. And, uh, you know, to protect pretty much the, the county is going to protect themselves if you can't finish the job, pretty much. If you can't finish the job, this bond kicks in and make sure the job is finished, that they have the money to pay for another contractor to come in and finish your job. And he's like, okay, that makes sense. Um, and, you know, had to educate him through the whole process. And, you know, he, he now he no understands what a bond is. And he's going to next time he has a job and shoots for it, he's going to understand it. So yeah. it was difficult in the beginning. It took like three phone calls just for him to grasp the concept. So it does. So it can be difficult at times um, to educate them. But once they understand it, they're so grateful because they're they're like, man, now I, I understand what this is. So now I can actually go for these these contracts. Now he's going to openly go for certain um, county contracts. He, he was timid or too scared to, to go after. Now he's going to go after them. So there you go. He's now that education I gave him is able to build his business. And I will say you gave me that education too, because I don't, I don't totally understand. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not in my normal wheelhouse. And I, I, I right. and it's come up a lot recently and it keeps coming right. up. And I actually have a podcast planned in a few weeks that I, I have someone who's in surety. Um, and I was on the phone with her for like an hour and she, I still didn't understand it. So it's difficult to understand. understand. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult to understand, but there's, there's so many things and there's something in surety called like liquidate damages. That's, that's such a, a key factor in getting a bond. So um, there's just so much going on to surety bonds. They're very, they're very um, complicated to understand, but yeah. um, you know, to, to t talk to a contractor and tell them this is, this is why you, as long as he understands why he needs it, then they would they would they would understand like okay this is why I need it because in order to to even get a win win this contract you would need some kind of surety bond but also you know once you have a bond and you have a credit line it's very easy for the win business too so it's yeah. good to even you know make sure that you try to do it so you can have a a, a credit limit so that way when a project does come up and you want to win it you have that credit uh, establish yeah. credit there for to win that business so it's twofold one he's he learns about surety and two now he has a line of credit now he can go after um uh, you know bigger contracts and he can win them and make more money yeah 
that's that's such a good point so you know you're clearly in you know the relationship business as, as well as the insurance business so you know and part of that is you need to find people to develop relationships with <laughs> some, <laughs> some can fall in your lap but you I mean you got right you have to kind of right. in a way hit the pavement so you know yeah. what is your your process as to you know finding and building those new genuine relationships so that they can like so you can gain trust and then you know get some client out of it um well networking um is one of my favorite because it, it's one it's fun and two, you yes. get to really meet with people who, who are like-minded and they really in, enjoy talking about their business, but also helping. Um, a lot of times you get these networking groups and they do love to help, uh, genuinely help each other and do business with each other willingly. That's like a mind-boggling thing before when I was in Verizon, I didn't even know anything about this. And I got into networking and I see people openly doing business with each other like, hey, you know, and that was awesome. So I like networking because it, it, it builds not only relationships with what we call a center influence, but it also, um, you know, it builds a genuine warm connections to, to other ventures, even if it's not for sale. Sometimes um, I, I reach out to people and just on a one-on-one -on -one basis and, and they then refer me business. So a lot of networking, so, you know, getting in front of people, talking and being human and, you know, they refer me business. And then I do, you know, on prospecting on, on a, you know, um, cold prospecting I do as well. You know, I have to have, and, and for a producer to be very successful in this role, you got to have uh, omni, the omni channel sales or prospecting way where you have to use a little bit of um, social media, a little bit of face-to-face uh, -face or one-to-ones, networking, cold calling, drop visits where, you know, um, a combassing or, uh, you know, you know, you walk and pound the payment and just walk into stores and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm the local broker would love to do business. You have to do pretty much all of that in order to, to really draw up business. So it can be very exhausting because you're, you're doing, you have to do it on so many ways, you know, 10, well, you know, looking 15, 20 years ago, you know, most of these insurance brokers, they do it two ways. Either they know somebody or they, they, they just cold call, but now with social media and, yeah. and, and all these other channels in, in play, it's, 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 you have to really hit every, every channel possible to try to drum up business. Has it been difficult trying to, to begin growing your business during a pandemic when, you know, people are so reluctant to, to go out right. for lunch and to meet face to face? Like, how have you been able to sort of overcome that? Um, honestly, it, it, it's, it's difficult and, and it's always or hit and miss sometimes. Some some people are, are so willing to get out. You know, I, I remember uh, I called one guy and said, hey, you want to catch lunch or you want to do virtual? He's like, no, no let's do lunch. Uh, let's go here. Let's do this. I would love to have lunch with you. He's like, almost like being like overly uh, ambitious. I was like, okay, we're going to lunch. I mean, the virtual thing was an alternative, but we'll go to lunch. No, not a problem. And then you get people who just don't, you just rather just, just doing the phone or virtual. Yeah. And you know, it, it, it really, you have to really um, understand, like you have to have a little bit of emotional intelligence and to, to really understand where, where they are. So a lot of times, right. Um, you know, and I'm talking to someone and they, hey, say, hey, do you want to catch lunch? I, I always throw it out there um, just to see where it, if it comes back with something. And sometimes they'll say yes, but then they'll ghost you. Other times they'll say <laughs> yes. And you, and you say, hey, listen, I'll throw something on your calendar. Let's do it. And they, they will come to it. But um, you really just have to ask. You really right. just have to openly ask. But it's it's not as easy as it once was. I mean, if if I if I 
you know, five years ago, if I say, hey, I free lunch on me, they're like, where? Show me where I'm there. Yeah. But no now brainer. it's like free lunch. You know, they're like, well, Omicron, eh. yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll take I'll take a taco. But Omicron is a little bit more, yeah. you know, you know, <laughs> very so. true. Yeah, so it, it it can be difficult at times, but at the most most part, um, people are really receptive, and they 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 appreciate the gesture too. So even if you you want to have that human connection, they appreciate. It. They say, hey, you know, what? I appreciate that, but I, I gotta you know, I'll take a rain check, but we can jump on a Zoom, and sometimes that's yeah. cool. I say, all right, let's jump on a Zoom, you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I I I feel a lot of it is like kind of testing that that person's temperature too like some people are sick of zoom some people just want to get on the phone now because they're like oh i don't want to like i have to have my face on this camera way too much i don't want to i mean sometimes i'm like that if someone wants to talk i'm like can we do a phone call so that i could like go out and walk outside and get some fresh air so i'm not chained right you know to right yeah and i was also saying that people like you said that sometimes they, they just in front of a computer so much in a day and sometimes when you ask for a meeting and like you you throw a, a Zoom or or a link in it, it sometimes it can come off being as a little too pushy. So a lot of times, you, what I like to do is I like to to just ask them and say, hey, do you you want to do a phone call? You want to do a lunch? Sometimes you just want to do options. Just give them options and yeah. let them see where where it happens. But you know, you just be very empathetic and 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 just be emotionally intelligent on on how they're feeling. And also, I think you know because you have to be not not offended to get a no <laughs> like people right. are gonna say no <laughs> right uh, and I mean I had that um you know it, it, like early on when you know I first started marketing you know it, I you'd almost take some offense to it it's like well you, you know you can't take offense to it like some people just and and now I more appreciate someone saying no than you know right. taking me up on a, a free lunch for just so they can have lunch. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or ghost you. Sometimes people, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll text you the last minute. No one they wasn't going to go in the beginning and they'll text you maybe like 30 minutes before and say, Hey, you know what? Uh, I can't go. I'm like, mm, you could I know you wasn't going to go, but sometimes they wait to the last minute. Maybe they're still on the fence, still on the fence. And then they say no, but it's fine. I do appreciate at least reaching out to me and saying, Hey, you know, so, yeah. um, you know, that, that I do appreciate people saying no and, and being upfront. And like you said, I don't really get offended, but at the same time, it helps me understand like what your needs are. Because I remember um, I had a, a, a guy that I used to work with. He was a, a, a CPA. He was like somebody I, I, I normally network with. And um, one time I did, we, we usually go on a lunch once a month or so. One time I did ask, hey, you know, you're free. And he's like, no, my mom's sick. You know, is there so many things going on in my life? And that's not something I want to do now. And I didn't get offended. I was like, you know, I think that's cool that you're really caring for you. I looked at it differently. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're caring for your mom. Now you're really looking at you. You know, it would be yeah. messed up of you to come meeting with me and putting yourself at risk and taking and bringing, you know, something home to her that it can, can hurt her. So, okay. and then two months later, he's like, yo, let's go to lunch. Everything's good now. So, you know, sometimes it's, 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 it's no for now. Sometimes yeah. it's never, oh, sometimes it's never a hard no, never. So. Yeah. I will say though, one of like my pet peeves though is on like when you get the the messages on LinkedIn that it's like the, the, it's the first message like, Hey, can I sell you this, you know, data processing system? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> I don't even know what your name is. <laughs> like, I was just in the market for that. How did you know? 
Are you like my Google and listening to everything <laughs> you say? <laughs> like, I'm just kind of like, I mean, you haven't, like, we haven't even exchanged any, any niceties and you're already like hopping right into you know, yeah. the sale and then I don't respond and then I get like 18 more messages being like no, I know you're busy not sure if you saw my message right <laughs> well, I saw it <laughs> I hope all is well you know so you get those too I know um well and have you found you know having to approach like things a little more creatively though I think we all have like to how oh, you interact and not just because of the pandemic but just how you know, right. people interact with other people on different social media platforms. Right. And, you know, I, I mean, I just, I think I released a podcast today that, you know, we were ta- talking about, you know, the, the guest was like promoting his practice on Instagram. Like there's just all these different places to promote yourself and your professional life. Um, that it's not just LinkedIn anymore. It's not right. just pounding the pavement. There, there's just right. all these different avenues. Right. Right. And, and at the same time, you have to also understand like time is so valuable. Like you have to like really have good content. I think, you know, if you're going back a little bit, you know, maybe five years, right. We're in the beginning, any content or any uh, interaction usually can generate some kind of interest and things going, but now people are so, so more um, like they picky with what they interact with now. So if your content isn't good, isn't in, informational somehow, they're not, they're not going to interact with you because sometimes you get people, I know people used to tell me, and especially producers like, oh, let me start doing some, some internet stuff and some LinkedIn and social media stuff. And they'll, they'll do like one post of like, hey, I sell insurance. Here's my number. Give me a call. <laughs> and then that's it that's no like their content no one called that's your content so you have to really be picked I mean listen like you said if it was Facebook five years ago and you did that you might have got a call because yeah. no one was using it the internet really I mean no one was really doing it so when you did that it might have worked but now it's not going to work you know you have to have good content it has you have to have informational content it has Sometimes to be funny. It has to be funny. It has to be eye-catching, right? It's yeah. Like movies right. for every yeah. post. <laughs> yeah, you have to do something different and creative and fun. Like people want yeah. to interact with your content because it's, if you're just, I, I would say if you're just forwardly selling something, openly selling something, they're going to check out immediately. You know, some some people yeah. say, hey, if, you, if you're in the market for insurance, give me a call. And I'm like... You know, no one's going to interact with that. I mean, even people are liking it. They'll get likes and it'll be the people in the same company. You know, I get oh, Liberty yeah. Mutual, I get Liberty Mutual producers and they'll, they'll say, hey, sell me insurance with like 10 likes, but they're all Liberty Mutual employees. Like, so you're, you're no one really, those are not even customers. They're not engaging with it. So, yeah. I mean, and just, and you have to think about it. Like, okay, say, you know, my business, I'm in the, I'm at the point of buying and, you know, I need to get some re-up my insurance or do whatever with it. It's like, I'm not gonna be like, oh, remember when Joe posted on, on LinkedIn that he's selling? No, you're gonna like, you're either gonna ask a friend or ask someone doing the same business or you already have a relationship with someone. You're like, oh, like, I'm gonna give, oh, that's what Anthony does. Let me give him a call, you know? Right, right. And you didn't sell it to me. I just knew that's what you you did and we were friendly. Or I'm going to ask Melissa, yeah. like, hey, who did you get, you know, who did you call yeah. when you needed, you know, a right. policy? Right. Word right. of mouth. And that's why it's so important to take care of the clients you get in front of. Like producers, sometimes there's so many of different agencies and different brokers and different carriers that 
business is, 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 is scarce sometimes to come by. So when I get a client in front of me, I try to just fight for them and do what I can so they can pass my, my name around, you know, and give me referrals. So you're right. You know, it's not just about selling, you know, it can't be transactional, not anymore. I don't think it, I think we can do this across all age, um, industries now, like the transactional kind of relationship is, is dying out. People are wanting a little bit more. They want something more fulfilling. They want something that they can really engage with. You know, people are buying br from brands that share their beliefs and they're, they're buying from people who, who, you know, share their principles and, and somebody they feel comfortable engaging with without feeling salesy. So, you know, yeah. so sometimes, you know, Insurance we're known to be very salesy sometimes, so it's very difficult to break that that stigma. But in a way, I think it's almost a shift back to the old way, but just with new mediums to develop those relationships. Because if you think back to like how it was done, like way back when it was so relationship based, and then I think right. there was a period that it became um, when every you could do everything online quotes this quickly, everything was quick, right. quick, 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 instant. Yep. And now I think it's kind of shifting back to, you know, they, you want to be fully serviced. You want to have yep. a relationship you want to be taken care of, but there's the way it's being right. advertised or put out there. Right. There's all these other mediums to do it. Right. Right. I agree. I think we're going back to the relationships. I think it's so key. You know, even when I purchase things, even for me, I work with business with people that I have relationships with now that at least I engaged with or had a conversation or somebody passed the information along. And usually that is due to either taking care of somebody or if it's somebody I met on social media, having good content and, and information that I like and, and, and principles that I agree with. So, yeah. you know, you know, you just don't call Joe the insurance. Like we're going to go back to Joe. If Joe was an insurance guy, you're not just going to call Joe the insurance guy. You're going to call somebody you, you, you have some kind of relationship with. It's not just a, just one insurance guy now is somebody that you can be like, all right, I, I trust this guy enough to work with him, but I also know that he's going to be somebody that agrees with a lot of things that I agree with and has similar interests. And, you know, there's so many factors that play into to why they work with you. Sometimes there is not even price. I, I'm starting to see people are, are not really leaning to the price. They're going more for, for experience. And I, I've, I've talked with clients before where they're like, hey, listen, I, I just want um, to be properly covered. You know, price for me, obviously price is the thing, but it's not going to be the make or break factor. I'm not going to go to the next broker and ask him for a price and then compare prices. I'm going to work with you just to make sure that you, you do the right by me. Yeah. I mean, I, I equate it to like last year we got a new roof. Okay. And I got quotes from a number of places. I didn't go with the lowest number right. i went with the the name that i had several other people had recommended and i like my neighbors were just getting a roof from the same well actually a bunch of my neighbors getting i got quotes from everyone that my neighbors were getting right <laughs> roofs from. but right. but like i talked to that neighbor and she said no they were great and the it, and so it wasn't it wasn't just the lowest price it was right, more right. like recommendation and and just the feeling i got when i met with them i was like this person right. was there when they said they were supposed to be there they they right followed up they I just felt like they I was more than just another roof so right right and you probably were more than just another roof and you felt that kind of you 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 felt that through the engagement that they really tried to to work with you and then build a relationship so you know you see that even with contractors I had a contractor come in and um and um he was doing my um bathroom I was um, I do some work on my ballot re uh renovate my bathroom 
so but it had to be a demo it was going to be a full gut like i want demolition demolish it and then start it again and the guy came in and he's he's looking around he's like all right this is what we're going to do this is what we're going to do and uh he comes downstairs and he engages with my wife and me he's like oh you're pregnant he's like asking about because my wife was pregnant at the time and um he's like oh he's like about the pregnancy and everything and then he leaves and then um i get a quote and and then and the quote is he personalized the quote he say, listen i understand that you know you need this done quickly i understand you have your wife she's pregnant um i'm gonna work this project as fast as i can and this is the price i'm giving you because i want to work with you and he gave me a really good price i didn't even listen that was the only contract that i walked in i didn't shop him i just went right yeah. to him i was like yeah. You know, he did everything right. He wanted to work with me. He really wanted to work with me. And he knew, you know, what my pain point was. He knew that my wife was pregnant. So mm-hmm. she's she's going to be not the type of person that wants contractors walking in and out of the house all the time. And he said he'll get it done in like five days. And we're like, five days? Okay, we'll work with you. So You could tell that he heard you. You know, yeah. that's the thing. And I think that's when you're working with any clients. They need to feel that that you hear them, that you understand what you know, what their pain points are and what their problems are. And, you know, that right. seems like what, you know, happened there in your experience. Yeah. Yeah. You, I, I had every intention to shop it out, but after his interaction with him and what he personalized everything down to the quote, it was, it was a winner for me. Yeah. That sounds like someone I want to come redo my bathroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was good. Does he come to South Jersey too? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, we're almost out of time, but I, I wanted to, um, you know, kind of end with some few other questions that deal more with like looking back, like if you were to look back on your, your career progression now, um, one, would you do anything differently? Yeah. Um, I think I would have done things a little bit different. Um, looking back, I probably would have stayed maybe another year at personal before moving to commercial, um, maybe just to, just to build a better network. And two, I, I probably should have gotten in here earlier. Um, the thing is, is going, getting into the business in the, like the beginning of my career and the pandemic really hurt, you know, me as far as like a producer being able to actually get out market and, and, and build relationships because of yeah. good, you know, eight months of my producing career at the very beginning, my first month as a producer, like on compensation was March of 2020. That was the beginning of the pandemic, the very beginning, like everyone just got laid off. So I'm selling insurance with the half the people I'm calling are laid off. So imagine, you imagine me starting in that. Imagine if I did it like a little bit earlier and got that ramp up period and then dealt with the pandemic. So yeah, I think I should have just gotten the business earlier and, um, and then I should have stayed in uh, first in line just a little bit longer before moving the uh, commercial. Uh, and so as to staying in personal lines a little bit longer, is that because you feel like that would have helped you just build re- like relationships to the, Correct. Like, the better foundation for the commercial? Right. Right. Yeah. I think, I think it would have built a little bit better foundation because going into commercial, I was going in a little bit cold. Uh, and so when you go in cold and then you're ramping up, it can be difficult at times. So um, I would have been ramped up a little bit more warmer, but you know, looking back, it, it, it gave me like a sink or swim type of yeah. uh, of ordeal here. Like you, I guess sometimes it's better to just be out there. Sometimes you just get out there and fail and fail, fail constantly. And then eventually you, you'll learn better. Sometimes they, they say you, you learn more and failure than you ever would. 
and are always succeeding. Yeah. So, yeah. so I've learned more in the last six months. I probably learned more um, about this industry than I've I've been at any six month period of time in any industry that I've ever been in. Yeah. So it's it's a lot of learning in this industry, and it's it, it that's why it's so like if you talk to anybody who is a, a a commercial line producer and been successful at it, it's a passion of theirs because it's just it's something that doesn't it's never the same. Like you're never getting the same. Um, even though you can deal in the same vertical, like you can deal with just contractors, you know, specifically in this type of uh, niche, maybe like tile layers or or, or masonry, but you're never going to always, always deal with the same issues. Yeah. You're always going to be putting out different type of fires. So it's always, um, it's always interesting. You never, you never uh, get stagnant. You always have a growth mindset as a producer. I mean, that it's, it's very similar with, you know, with what we do. I mean, cause you, I mean, you get a case on, you know, whatever you get a case that something went wrong with Mason work all, all of a sudden, you know, Melissa and I are becoming experts on masonry. You know? Right. <laughs> I've, I've learned, I've learned more about stucco in my career than I ever thought I would as, as an attorney. Right. And it's great. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, to the point that you're like, when you walk around your neighborhood, you're like, mm, that's a stucco house. Mm, there, might be stucco. Some mo- there might be some moisture behind those walls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wonder if Uh-oh. they're having problems. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. So you're looking at everything differently. It's true. Yeah. It's, it's more yeah. insurance. Like when I look at a house now, when I look friend buys a house, I look at roof. Like it's a weird thing. Like oh, yes. how old is that roof? Like I'm, you know, you're like the dad now. Like how old is that roof? Like <laughs> yeah. is that well, asphalt or is that architectural shingles? You know? Imagine, imagine being me like needing a new roof and all I could focus on in my house is like, oh, my roof is so bad. Yeah, <laughs> right. I need to get this roof done. Yeah. <laughs> you and understand every- the risks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's in the roof is everything, especially with property. It's like every all the underwriters, first thing they do is the Google image. You, you Sometimes I get on the phone with the underwriters like, I'm Google images. This roof is like 20 years old. I'm like, no, it's not. You know, you're like as a producer, you're like saying, no, it's not. It's, it's a little bit less than that, but you know. Hmm. Yes. Oh, God. I'm so happy I got my reef done. It was giving me a lot of stress. Yes. <laughs> no, I can understand. Um, because like one leak in the roof and then that that's it. And then like you're like forced. But see, the contractors know when you're like really need them tonight yesterday. So they can feel that. So you want to always give yourself a little bit of time like you like you did work, sit with different contracts to make sure you're getting the right price and make sure that you're dealing with the right people. Sometimes if you're like on the clock, you're, you, these guys come in and they're like, all right, yeah. I know she has a leak. So we're just going to, you know, we know that she needs it. So we can be a little bit uh, lenient on the price. So, yeah, yeah. So, you know, and before we close up, um, you know, what advice would you give to, you know, someone you know, either in college or just coming out of college, you kind of like don't know what they would do would like, as would you give them like, like, Hey, look into insurance this, you know, either with a a carrier or the broker, like this is a good, good field. Uh, What advice would you give them? Well, yeah, I'll tell them that, listen, um, insurance, if you look at certain carriers, like Liberty Mutual, for example, where I came from, they still have a pension. They, I mean, you can't find a pension anywhere. So they still have a pension. So, you know, it, it's a good industry to get into because if you're, if you're really good at that industry, the, the, the career path you can take can be anywhere. You can like, you can literally go into so many different directions. And, but also there's so many professional designations and, and different, um, I guess, uh, specialties that you can get into. If you want to get into risk management, you can have a designation like ARM 
or if you want like to really be a career person in insurance, you get the CPCU designation, the professional designation. And there's just so many different ways to build your business. And a lot of times is if you get these designations and you you be in this industry, you would never be a bad candidate. You, you'll never go into a period where you'd be unemployed for an extended period of time. You know, you're a professional with a CPCU designation. If, if, if Chubb fired you yesterday, you could probably find a job within six months with some a decent yeah. carrier. So it's a really good profession to get in because it's it's a, a there's a lack of talent there as well. So I would tell people there's a lack of talent here. So yeah. it's a good opportunity to really set your foot in this industry, and you will be you'll be in a good position where you can find a good career path, and you also have opportunities before you. Um, that sometimes if you're in like, let's say if you're going to SaaS, which is tech, you know, mm-hmm. software as a service. You know, SDRs, they come, they can come right out of college and, you know, um, and and they can, their their skills could be found anywhere. Like they can be easily replaced, like, you know, uh, or, or accountant executives at, at the software company. Sometimes it's, it's, it's hard for them to find positions sometimes, yeah. you know, uh, in the insurance industry, you can really be an expert at your field and you'll be invaluable to any company that, 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 that you come before. Yeah. So I would tell you, hey, listen, you get into the insurance industry, you really like the trade and, and start building up your book of business or take the other route, go underwriting and, and get all these professional designations. You can really be in a, a great position 10, 15 years from now, um, always have a good career before you and, and, and companies, good companies to work for. Yeah. And, and just such great upward mobility. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of upward mobility. You know, some of these industries like, um, you know, if you go in underwriting, you can go into underwriting and then go into producing or you could be a producer and go into underwriting. So whatever you like, if you like to sell or you like to be analytical, you know, or if you like to lead, you could be a practice leader or a manager. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, thank you so much, Anthony, for, for coming on. Let let us let our listeners know where they can find you because now they've heard everything that you can do for them. So maybe right. someone will just say, hey, Anthony does insurance. Call him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So basically, uh, I work for uh, USI Insurance Services. Uh, we're, we're the second um, biggest um, private broker and consulting firm in the United States. And we do uh, I do small commercial property and casualty. Um, and you know, to reach me, you can find me at, uh, my website, which is anthonyguzman.me. That's my personal website. You can, um, email me at anthony.guzman at USI, or you can catch me on LinkedIn, Anthony Guzman. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for all our listeners out there. As always, if you like what you hear, please like, and subscribe to the defense of arrest on Apple podcasts, as well as you can find us on YouTube at. Uh, Defense of Arrest podcast. Okay.